Real Marketing Rap is brought to you by Tim Bush and me, Joe Edwards. And we talk about everything marketing. We'll tell you as it is, jargon free and no BS. We'll have guests every week from high rollers to first starters, all from different industries and disciplines within the marketing world. We're here to set the record straight with nothing but marketing realness. Wicked, Tim. Well, we're back. Uh, 2019. We've, uh, I guess, we do actually have a New Year's resolution of making sure we do this every uh, every fortnight and starting to get some regularity back with uh, the Real Marketing Rap podcast. I'm really, really excited to uh, to be back and getting a bit more focused around this again. Absolutely, yeah. No, really great to be back in it. And uh, the fact that we actually have those recurring dates in the diary, I have no excuse. So uh, oh, looking forward to oh, actually. Uh, Getting more than one out a year. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. Um, cool. So uh, first one back, we've got um, Graham Fraser on, who's been in the kind of B2B marketing space for the last uh, almost 20 years. And um, in this interview, we're going to be covering off uh, things like voice search, um, uh, marketing personas, um, and, and really like what Graham's going to be getting up to over over 2019. So uh, we'll get this um, interview kickstarted with Graham. So welcome to the first episode of the Real Marketing Rap podcast for 2019. Hopefully this will be more of an annual event. Uh, Joe, you better keep me to that one. But uh, Yeah, well, we've got it in the diary for every two weeks now, so we've really got to keep on it. Indeed, indeed. We've only got ourselves to, to blame. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, a ton of uh, new episodes coming up over the, the coming months. So um, we, with that in mind, let's, uh, let's focus on, on this episode. And we've got a fantastic guest. We are going to absolutely commit to having more guests on the show for, for the year ahead. And uh, we're kicking off this year with uh, an awesome, awesome guest, um, particularly focused around B2B marketing, which is very much my background. So uh, it's great to have someone from, from my side of the camp on the show. And uh, this week we have Graham Fraser, who uh, I've been following for, for many years on social media and enjoy a lot of his, uh, his content, particularly uh, music recommendations. Um, I'm sure the, the last kind of 50 albums I've added to my Apple Music have been all off the back of your recommendation. So, uh, so thanks for that. Uh, but um, yeah, rather than me kind of introing Graham, why don't I actually let him do it for himself? So, uh, so Graham, welcome. Hey, welcome. Thanks very much for inviting me along. Um, Pleasure. So, yeah, uh, my name's Graham Fraser, obviously. Um, I've been in B2B marketing for, what, 19 years now. Um, and it's not a career I ever thought I'd say I'd be in. <laughs> you know, growing up, I thought I'd be a professional sports person or a stuntman. But you get to university and you do these things, and then suddenly you're a B2B marketer. So here I am after 19 years. Um, so I, 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 I'm currently working at a company called Liquidity Services, um, and essentially what liquidity services does is, um, we operate in what we call the reverse supply chain, which is essentially managing other companies surplus assets. Um, and, uh, my current role is the global marketing director and my job is to make sure that we've got people buying these surplus assets. So, um, I've just returned from what? two years in a secondment role out in the US as well. So I've um, been cool. back in the UK for, for six months. And um, yeah, here I am. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, um, 
Yeah, but definitely good to pick your brains on or your experience in the US at some point. But um, perhaps we'll save that one for, for the end. Um, yours. But yeah, so we've got a, a few questions we'd, we'd love to, to throw at you and, uh, and kind of get your views on. Um, I guess one of the things that's particularly been filling up um, my social media feed uh, at the beginning of this year is a lot of talk around voice and yeah. in particular voice search. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of great applications that we're seeing on the B to C side of, of things. Um, but it'd be good to get your thoughts on how B2B marketers uh, should start thinking about voice um, and start kind of building that into their, their marketing plans for uh, not just the year ahead, but, but, um, but the coming years as well. Um, you know, I think Alexa and, uh, and, and Google um, definitely owned this Christmas. And I think from, a, from an advertising perspective, uh, I think Google definitely had the best uh, Christmas ad of the year with the, the Home Alone um, yeah. Uh, yeah. style ad but um but that's kind of somewhat digressing but um but yeah i'll tell you one of the to get your thoughts yeah no i guess like one of the other things that's amazing about all this voice stuff for that is actually the adoption curve when you look at it against something like vr it's probably 10x in terms yeah. of adoption and then when it is actually adopted then you've got these um yeah, most people who have one of these products, like there's a stat out there saying 71% of people are using it daily and 44% are using it multiple times a day. So it really does feel like a, a, a product that's got some actual um, traction. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I, I, I do. Um, there's... there's there's quite a lot of, of these stats showing that huge adoption curve. And I, I'm, I'm quite cynical about it, to be honest. But that, but that might be because I'm referring to my own use of it, which is next to zero. I mean, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a Google Mini, which is sitting in a drawer. Um, and we only ever use that for, for checking the weather on a daily basis. And, um, and, I, and I don't use the feature on my phone very much. But I mean, I think from a B two B marketing perspective, there are definitely there definitely have to be avenues. I, I don't know, I don't know whether it's something B two B marketers should be looking to invest heavily in in the next twelve months. Um, I think they certainly should be monitoring it. And they should be preparing for it. And they should be listening. Um, I think you know a lot of a lot of emphasis and B two B has been on on SEO. Um, and now that the, this next part is really, you know, how do we as B2B marketers manage um, the use of, of, of voice search from that perspective? I was, saw a piece of research that's maybe a, about a year or so old that was talking about, well, the figure was something like 71% of executives use search on their mobile. Um, and then there was another stat that said 60% of people are using um, uh, voice search openly in the office and they were kind of spuriously connecting that to say well business executives are using it as part of their search process and I, I'm not entirely convinced yet nevertheless you know we should be we should be preparing um, and I think the areas we should be looking at are you know how do we optimize our mobile experiences for voice um, I think that you know I think we are we're getting to a stage as, as marketers now where we're pretty good at optimizing the mobile experience for uh, traditional browsing. 
uh, search. Uh, it's that, how do we then how do we then take that onto onto voice? And I guess that's really we get more long tail searches uh, within business, um, and that kind of goes against much of the grain in terms of the consumer side, where you know a lot of the voice the voice search stuff is is local. You know, nearest coffee shop. I need a restaurant, something to eat, blah, blah, blah. And the business, it's more kind of the long tail, who, what, where, why, when um, type expression. So that's the sort of thing as marketers we need to be looking at. Um, and then I think the actual kind of the practical element of when you're actually using the search, you know, if you if you just conduct, if you just speak to Alexa or Siri or whatever and, you know, and you say, oh, you know, because we use it quite a bit with the kids when they're doing their homework, um, all the time yeah exactly. I, I look so clever to my kids <laughs> yeah exactly but but all but all siri or google does they just read out you know the the top snippet the the snippet from wikipedia or whatever the, the closest search is so then at a kind of uh, slightly more granular level you, you need to be looking to optimize that that snippet piece so i don't know i think you know beginning of 2019 Will we see if we were to have the same conversation this time next year? Would we see a marked change for B two B? I I don't know. I I really don't know. With your global hat on, do you yeah. do you think we'll see some markets adopt this quicker than others? I guess the the reason I say that is, sorry, China, China. Yeah, that's the one I was going to say. Uh, I was out there uh, this week actually, bizarrely, um, and the way that. Um, you know, they use WeChat um, and that kind of stuff where they're actually just kind of recording a very short message and then sending it rather yeah. than even typing anything on a keypad. It definitely feels like those sorts of markets are probably a little bit more ripe for this um, this uh, yeah, type of interaction. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think it would be your, your – it would certainly be APAC and you'd be looking at China and, and um, South Korea. Um I mean, it's it's funny that you know we open this this topic in that it's got legs, and I, and I think one of the the big challenges we've always had as B two B marketers is we're always looking over the fence at our B two C consumers and always asking, can we apply that to us? Um, and I, I think I think there is something in it, but I think it's probably a little. My, my personal feel is maybe a little bit too early for us, only because some of the stats that I'm seeing, and this might be purely myopic on my part, is that I just I can't relate to them. Like using voice search in an office is just something I don't do. I don't see many other people doing it. So, would we get a business executive? doing a, a long tail search on marketing automation software or SaaS software. I, I, I don't know. Time will tell, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess, uh, again, yeah, when we start seeing um, adoption increase, um, you know, in the home, I think that might create a kind of habit that could yeah. kind of spill over into, into the workplace. And I guess maybe if we think beyond kind of traditional search and, and kind of see how voice could light up, um, you know, other scenarios. So, you know, for example, you know, integration in with, say, Salesforce, you know, 
run a report on this month's, um, you know, North American, you know, widget sales, for example. Yeah. And, you know, you start doing some kind of data queries that are more voice led. Um, you know, I'm sure we're going to start seeing a lot more of the, the kind of enterprise software kind of providers starting to build in, um, you know, voice activated yeah. kind of search and, and kind of queries, etc. Um, you know, over the coming months. And, um, you know, even with a lot of the kind of chatbots that seem to be coming, um, you know, a lot more popular these days. Mm. Um, obviously, HubSpot are building a big part of their future business around Service Hub, which has that kind of, you know, chat-based functionality yeah. baked in. Again, I'm sure we're going to start seeing some kind of voice-driven, um, you know, search queries coming off the back of that that yeah. are maybe sort of support or service-led. So, you know... How do I do X? You know, um, yeah. you know, would perhaps be um, scenarios where uh, we could start seeing some interesting stuff, and and I guess also how that spills over into um, you know scenarios where actually it's not always that easy to to kind of get access to um, you know a computer. I'm thinking kind of you know sales folks that are you know maybe in the car and and kind of doing stuff where actually picking up a, a mobile device and typing cool. while zooming what? down the the m4 at 70 miles an hour probably wouldn't be a good idea so again maybe how voice can light up some some of those scenarios as well um and but... anything that uh stops um the senior executives asking me you know <laughs> how many conversions i've had because they can just ask an app would be amazing <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that will come though I, you know I yeah think that, that yeah again, I really, really cannot wait for that day. Yeah, wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't there some some stat that came out at the tail end of last year that said something like, um, it, it might have been Gartner or someone that said, you'd, you'll be having more conversations with a chat bot by 2020 than you will be with your wife or something like that. And I, I, I mean, given that's only a year away, I find, that incredi- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I find that incredibly unlikely. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, watch this space. Watch this space. Cool. So, um, yeah, I think lots of exciting stuff happening around around search, um, and you know, definitely be following what's happening in B two B very closely. Uh, you know, I think you guys are right. It probably is quite early until we start seeing some more sort of uh, mass adoption. But um, you know, I think it's worth having on that sort of uh, um, you know bottom of the list to kind of just be. Uh, kind of keeping up to date on and uh, you know maybe some of those that have a little bit of budget to uh, to experiment uh, could maybe try some stuff out particularly on it from a, a support perspective could work quite well so um, yeah, thanks for that um, so um, just kind of moving on a, a, a little um, again I'm kind of thinking what seems to be filling my uh, social media feed um, this year uh, much like all the stuff around voice um, there seems to be a ton of articles at the moment about the death of marketing personas mm. um, now I don't entirely agree with this um, it, there's always a bit of a nuanced kind of uh, kind of view on these things but um, but a lot of people are saying that actually persona led marketing is dead you know it's time to ignore it and move on you know it's essentially had its day um, be good to get uh, get your thoughts on that one because obviously from a b2b perspective that's been you know a big part of, of how we kind of communicate to uh, to our decision makers um, and um, yeah potentially some some change on the horizon yeah I mean, I mean I'm I'm with you I don't I don't particularly I don't particularly buy that but I mean it's you know within within marketing you've always got to round out 
the year or start the year with the death of something right and i think personas is it's it's had its had its turn um it'll probably be abm this time next year um so i I don't know i'm not i'm not convinced and the reason i'm not convinced is we there has to be a way as marketers that we have a touch point that enables us to kind of ground ourselves and what i mean by that is we develop these personas to ensure that um one they're representative of of our target audience but also that whatever communication channel or or medium or content piece or whatever is actually relevant to that to that persona uh, itself and you kind of you don't need necessarily need to li- live and breathe that persona, but it, it, it does need to become a, a, a touching point. Um, so I still think as marketers and, and, and remember, I mean, the persona is not necessarily a new thing. It's, it's been in marketing for um, a long time. I, I remember coming out of university and um, I think I interviewed it was either for Levi's or it was um, for Debenhams, and they asked me what you know t- to kind of draw up a, a persona. So um, I think it's not so much they're they're irrelevant. I think they're maybe just becoming less fashionable. But I think if you look at the the you know content is still a big thing for B two marketers. Account based marketing is now starting to get some um, momentum. Um, and then you've got AI and machine learning. So for a content, you need to have, it needs to match a, a persona, obviously. That then leads into ABM. You start your ABM by researching the organization you're targeting. You're then working out who those target audience is. That's going to give you a persona, blah, 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 blah. Then you get to the AI machine learning. And actually, this is where it probably gets quite interesting, is that we build up a persona based on, the data we have, AI machine learning may or may not prove that correct, right? So it's almost if if you have um, a, uh, an AI machine learning tool like Adobe Sensei or, or DataSign or whatever, um, they're going to churn through all your data and, and you've kind of almost got a persona that you think is a hypothesis. And then it will churn through the data and, and tell you one way or another. But... Um, but I still think, I still think they are absolutely relevant. I don't think it's the death of. Um, I still think it's a discipline that marketers should have. And and um, you know, for all the talk about um, content marketing or account-based marketing or um, um, blockchain or or whatever, we still need to to understand our target market. Um, you know, and, and within B2B as well, where you have a decision-making unit, uh, it's important to have that that mapped out. So I, I'm still for them. I, I still practice it. Right, and I'm completely on the same page. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely share your views on that one. Um, you know, I think providing um, the creation of those personas is very much insight-driven and, yeah. and not just based on, you know, gut feel, but actually, you know, based on some... Um, you know, thorough uh, research and, and insight, then, um, you know, I think 
uh, personas are are key to any successful um, you know B two B marketing campaign and, and arguably you know the the folks on the b2c side of the camp need to ensure that they're talking to their customers in um in the correct kind of um you know tone manner and about the things that they care about so yeah uh, yeah no totally with you on that one so here's a here's a not a different view but maybe it builds on what we've said is i think personas are great for understanding the audience at a human level like, I think, yeah, you go and pull all your data and, and you talk about um, your insights that build build out your personas. But I think where all this death of marketing personas is kind of coming from is is a, a lot around the the uh, need and optimization we can pull around one-to-one conversations. Mm. Or not even one-to-one conversations, but you know, one-to-one advertising, really. So, you know, some of the work um, i am uh, been privy to um, in some of the things that I've been doing, you look at the way that um, uh, paid media is being being um, optimised now, where we're delivering sixteen thousand different messages um, according to audience behaviour, um, pulled from segments from first, second, and third party data. You begin to understand why people start talking about marketing personas being dead because perhaps they're a little bit too. Um, simplistic in in their in their nature Mm. Um, so but that said we are still human beings and actually for us as human beings to get a grasp on who we need to talk to um, in the first place actually the exercise of of doing the persona based piece is is as you've kind of said very much still valid I, I just think because of all this you know, super high-end, you know, um, audience targeting where, you know, you can pretty much build a different web page yeah. for everybody that comes yeah. to your comes yeah. to your website. I think that's where that's where it's beginning to lose lose the track lose the traction. I guess it's about you know those personas just being far more granular. So whereas before you could kind of make them fairly sort of. Uh, um, you know, broad, you know, marketing director for, you know, companies of X size in these verticals, um, you know, to your point around creating kind of, um, you know, micro-targeting based on, on data and kind of who's interactive with what piece of content and all the rest of it. I guess it's still persona driven, but you can just go down and arguably even there's a need to kind of do that at a far more granular level, but it's still ultimately about personas, I guess. Yeah, and again, you've got to. It's all a, you know, all these kind of, all, all this kind of targeting, segmentation, and that kind of stuff. It's all based on you having a budget to even be able to do it in the first place. So, you know, you have to think yeah. about the size of your business and and the, your your marketing technology stack that's sitting behind it to support it. Yeah, and what you're looking to achieve, what are the actual yeah. objectives yeah, exactly. in the first place, and kind of working <clears throat> backwards from there. But um, but no, that's cool. Um, Good stuff. So um, yeah, we're we're racing through the these questions. So uh, some really great stuff here. So um, I guess just final sort of uh, question from from my side in particular, um, and that's around LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, so it'd be good to get your thoughts on on LinkedIn as a marketing channel. Um, you know, for example, should um, you know marketing B two B 
um, leaders be really doubling down on on LinkedIn and, and perhaps even forgetting about Twitter or Facebook? Um, or do you think there's still uh, a role for, for Twitter and Facebook in the mix in order to create a more holistic uh, <clears throat> kind of digital strategy, particularly around that kind of paid social piece? Yeah, well, I mean, I think LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, I, I think it's it's really just fish where the fishes are. And I mean, LinkedIn's quite topical because uh, my team are reviewing it at the moment because for one reason or another, we're finding it really hard. Um, and for a B2B organization, that kind of frustrates me because my gut feel is that that's that's where we should be finding our our, our future buyers. But we know um, from playing around with Facebook for the last um, the last twelve months that we've got a huge amount of buyers on there as well. So, you know, if we think so, when I talk about buyers in in my world, these are people who are buying um, essentially used machinery, right? So, um, so whether that's a lathe or whether it's uh, a mixer or I mean it could be even a Humvee um, we we are finding that we're not getting the traction on LinkedIn that we're getting on Facebook and my gut feel would have always been that Facebook would not bring those B2B buyers but there are people using that platform to find used industrial equipment that costs in excess of 10 20,000 grand so you know, it's it's really about ultimately where your audience is. I mean, I I, I don't know if I could sit here and say, yeah, B two B leaders should be doubling down on on LinkedIn, but I think there is there is a lot. Um, I think there is a, there is a huge amount of opportunity in LinkedIn. I think I do think LinkedIn has a few issues. I mean, as a platform, I'm finding it increasingly difficult to use. But um, and, and in fact, off-putting is probably more more to the point. But um, from a marketing perspective, I, I still think I still think it has a valid part in the mix. Um, but I don't think uh, as a channel. But the mix of stuff you push through it um, uh, does need to be varied. I don't think just using the PP the the, the PPC and the paid ad stuff uh, on it alone. I mean. The, the segmentation and targeting on it is incredibly powerful. It's, it's really good. Um, but I think you, you really do need to have a pretty concerted effort on it as a, as a platform. Um, we struggle with it from time to time. Um, we've had some really good successes on it. And then we've just had times where we've just, it's a total head scratcher. Um, but I, I do think it's part of my mix for 2019. Uh, and it and it will continue to be for the foreseeable. Um, it's just not an easy. It's just not an easy nut to crack. What what um what have been some of your successes? So we've had um, primarily around the content side, um, and primarily at um, what we would who we would traditionally target um, on the on the corporate side. So my audience is split in two. Um, essentially, 
what we do is we are essentially an, an eBay for used industrial equipment, right? So uh, we, we are a platform in that respect. We're connecting the sellers with the buyers. Um, so my job is essentially split. I have to find the buyers to participate in the auction and then I have to find the sellers to sell the stuff through the auction. And where we've had success in the past is on that seller side where you're, you're targeting the traditional um, senior levels in finance and procurement for us. Um, and we're using content, um, whether that's via an ebook or an infographic. Um, and we're using the sponsored posts and the pay posts. We have dabbled in the in-mail and um, the sales navigator, and, and that's working well too. So that's really kind of our, our primary primary pieces at the moment. Um, so, so if it's if it's anything, you're probably doubling down on content and just using LinkedIn absolutely. as one of the one of the distribution channels. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's almost becoming more of the the kind of account based marketing or social selling kind of tool as opposed to perhaps more of the uh, traditional sort of paid yeah. kind we, of uh, platform. If that makes sense. Yeah, we 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 dabbled in the um, we dabbled in the groups. Um, and that just wasn't getting us anywhere. That was just, that was noisy and difficult to get traction. Um, and, and it, and it kind of almost felt clumsy, um, because of just the sheer number of people within the group and, you know, everyone's trying to sell and, and, you know, we would go in and just take that traditional approach of let's just listen, let's just spend some time listening, but it's just, you know, it's it's noisy, so we focus on the paid stuff. Um, but you're right, Joe. It was it's it's the content. It's the content that's important. Yeah. And and do you, do you? I mean, you've got this content. Is that something that then goes into your sales teams and they're using it through their LinkedIn channels? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, that, so, so they're trying to build those one-to-one kind of conversations with with people. Yeah. So that, so they're we're creating the paid campaigns they're doing um the sales navigator social selling yeah cool cool um kind of uh, probably following on from that is um you, what are your kind of core themes for your marketing in 2019 are there any big um kind of big plays you've got on or is it kind of more the same are you are you shifting any of your budget in one particular direction that is maybe slightly scary for you or or what's your uh, what what's uh, what's 2019 looking like for you um well um we're obviously going to copy what Gillette did and do a massive social responsibility type ad um because we could really do with that kind of publicity and <laughs> Um, not getting an egg involved or anything like that. Um, no, the, I think really the, the, the core themes for us, it it is, we are, uh, we're heavily, we're we're investing quite heavily in paid uh, at the moment. Um, uh, and SEO. So those probably are kind of at a, at the tactical level, 
Um, a, lo- a lot of what we're focusing on social has always been a challenge for us for one of our, you know, I talked about the seller and the buyer social on the buyer side is tough for us um, because no one, because essentially they're coming into an auction environment and competing with other um, bidders. They don't want to be advertising that they're doing that. So it, it, we've kind of got a, a, a strange balance there, but really on the tactical side, it's, it's very much, um, the SEO and the, and the SEM is, is our focus. More strategically, it is actually strategy. And I, and I think that, to me, has to be one of the core trends for 2019. I think you know, over the Christmas period, um, I, I was kind of sort of thinking to myself that marketing has just gone absolutely mad. Um, you know, if we think about things like i mean and this is before the gillette ad came out but i mean just you know everything that's talked about blockchain and bitcoin and influencers and all and it's the the one thing that's actually fundamentally missing from any of the the marketing thought pieces is actually building a, a solid strategy um you know and b2b marketers are kind of caught up in um the, the next shiny thing. So I, I really try to focus on a genuine strategy for the year. Um, and, um, you know, that involves, um, you know, the, the classic kind of, right, where do we see, where do we see growth, which segments are seeing growth, which um, countries are seeing growth and, and building the campaigns around that. And then kind of taking that upper level and going, right, we're probably right for ABM. So account-based marketing is going to be a part of, part of our focus content will obviously have to form form part of of that foundation and then we get into the whole data you know we've come we're coming up to a year after to gdpr um and you know we're, we're still we're still working working through that um so data data segmentation is, is a huge part of our uh drive for this year um what, what um what tools are you using to deliver that for you well, the GDPR. No, the segmentation. segmentation, yeah. So we are completely overhauling our tech stack. Um, that sounds scary. That sounds like one big scary thing you're doing. That is one big scary thing. And it's a, it's like a two-year timeline as well. So, um, you know, we've, we've actually just migrated from Eloqua uh, to HubSpot. Um, so we're, we're kind of on an entirely new learning curve and relying quite heavily on HubSpot for that, for that data segmentation. What drove that decision? Um, cost and functionality. Okay. So, um, so we're, that's one element of it. We're also spending an, uh, an awful amount of time, um, really just working through that onboarding process for for our new customers and you know how do we improve that segmentation at, at the point of them joining the business okay um so you know we're looking at things like uh, the registration process and we spent the last year playing around with light registration versus heavy registration so you know pop-ups single email versus a, a 30 field uh, registration form and and so we, we're kind of playing playing with all of that um so yeah that that's really it it's it's content abm and and, and strategy um and then i guess the other thing is i've kind of i've introduced okrs into the team as well 
So as an organization, we typically operate with MBOs. Um, but where marketing's at now, it's just, yeah, I'd, I'd rather be looking at things on a, on a quarterly basis. So, so we're playing with OKRs at the moment, which is quite interesting. Cool. Nice. Um, so the, the last question then, and then uh, I think we can uh, we can kind of wrap up. And it's always one that I'm interested in because for me, you know, success generally comes from people working well together. You know, mm. all the technology and all these wonderful things we've got in marketing and all that kind of stuff. What it boils down to is can can people work well together? Yeah. And I was just wondering, not like around that topic. Have you because you've obviously gone in in your um, your current company you've gone from like that European level into kind of a global level yeah and has that changed the way that you've worked or that you've seen teams work or have you had to implement any change uh, within your teams to to um, kind of drive better working practices and that kind of stuff yeah well I, I think I mean I think one immediate output is, is actually the OKRs um I mean, that's, that's one thing we have put in place so that we can just retain much more focus over, over a shorter period of time. I mean, I think the, the, the biggest change is obviously, I mean, the, the, si- the size of my team has expanded. So then I've got, you know, I've got three heads in North America. I've got two here. I've got two in Shanghai. Um, and the biggest thing then is, is really communication. Um, and just ensuring um, that everyone knows uh, everything that's going on. So that is not only us working together as a team. Um, you know, our, our business is split regionally. So actually, we tend to operate very few global programs, um, which you know does mean there are there are times where you know there are unfortunately silos, but. Um, we, you know, the the one thing I notice is just how hard I have to work on on communication, um, and, and that kind of manifests. It's simply ads because I'm connected in because I'm plugged into the leadership team. I'm obviously hearing things that other people aren't, um, and it's it's really just making sure that everyone hears everything they they should be hearing, and, and that's. That's not only from a, an organizational strategic perspective, but also from a financial, just making sure that financial information is cascaded down so everyone knows either their region or another region how, how we're performing. So it's kind of that dissemination of information at, at, at that level, which is I've kind of found important and has been recognized as, as useful. Yeah. And then the other thing is the, the direct communication across the team. And the we're still kind of early days into it, but because I've got essentially three major time zones, um, you know, North America, um, well, more specifically Arizona, Arizona, Houston, London, and Shanghai, trying to get the entire team on one call is really, is really tough. Yeah. So what I've done is, um, we have a a team meeting every two weeks. I have one-to-ones with my team every week with each individual member every week. And then, Every two weeks, we have a team call, and that kind of rotates. So, for example, because of the time zones, week one might just be my mayor and North American team, and then the following week, it might just be a mayor and APAC, and then the following week, uh, following two weeks, it will be uh, APAC and North America. So, you know, within every two-week rotation, each region is talking to each other. Um, 
and and that's proved useful because um, we're sharing best practices. Um, you know, we're using case studies. We're showing we're showing where things didn't work very well. You know, we've got the team in China. We've a big operation with WeChat, and you know, WeChat just we don't use it outside of China really. But for the team to see that, so it's really just trying to break down break down those barriers um, uh, and make sure the very least, you know, regardless of the time zones that, you know, people can actually hear other people's voices and see other people's faces. I think that that's probably the, the single biggest change is, is that emphasis on communication. I would yeah. say in the two roles. I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's right. great to hear. That is always good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Life would be boring without them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Brilliant. Yeah, no, thanks so much for that, Graham. Really appreciate your, no your time. Um, I guess just to, to close out, how do people kind of get in touch with you? Are you on Twitter, etc.? cetera? Um, anything you want to kind of leave us with? Yeah, well, I mean, they can, um, if, if they so desire, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. And they can follow me on Twitter uh, at Graham Fraser. And they can follow me on Instagram at Graham Fraser as well. You've got one um, of those unique names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've got I've got the Scottish spelling of Graham. So it's G R A E M E. Yeah, that's uh, lucky. I could never get Joe Edwards because I'm common as muck. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, um, yeah. Thanks again, Graham. This no worries. Thanks for having me on. Brilliant, brilliant stuff there. And I uh, really appreciate you taking time out to, uh, to share your, uh, your wisdom with us. So, uh, yeah. good stuff. I've learned something new. Thanks for your time. No worries. Appreciate it. It's been good fun. Thank you. Take care now. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Graham for uh, sharing those words of wisdom. Loads of great stuff there that I'm definitely going to be incorporating into some of the work we're doing with our clients moving forward. So thanks again. And uh, it feels great to get this first episode for 2019 under our belts. We've got a lot of great content coming. So uh, stay tuned for that. But until then, see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Real Marketing Wrap. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to share the word. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Grand Joe and Tim at T Bush. Big shout out to DJ Tiger Style for the music. You can check him out on djtigerstyle.com. For more about us, join our WhatsApp group. You can check that out on realmarketingrap.com. Peace out, people, and keep it real till next time.